El piolín y cuy cuy por la mañana. Is that? I, I only Wait, watch. We are recording already. Is this podcast started? Yep. Oh shit! It's already started. Oh great, fantastic. Yep. No um, pressure. What's up? Uh, no, just be funny. Okay. Oh good. That's all I want. <laughs> so all I want from you is your funniness. Yay! For a couple of pieces of pizza. Your soul for pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Delio. <laughs> Asia insists that I get an intern. You should do that. I think that'd be a great idea. You can get one from USC. I know. Or I could get like a, a houseboy. Oh, that'd be a great idea. But but can you get a houseboy for a studio apartment? <laughs> well, then he'd be like a studio apartment boy. A studio boy? A studio boy. <laughs> Does such a thing exist? I think I think if you could probably find something like that on Craigslist. Is that a section on Craigslist? It might be studio boys wanted available. Yeah. How do you okay. feel? How do you feel about studio girls? Because I'm always looking to make some extra money. Um, I don't know anything about technology or podcasts. Sorry, but that seems a little bit disgusting to me. <laughs> it's gross. What do you do for a living? I'm a studio girl. Oh, you work for a studio? Warner Brothers? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah, that's what they didn't teach you, is that you had to do both of the Warner Brothers at the same time. You have to get double teamed by the Warner Brothers? They were. There, they worked there, like, together. There were three or four of them, though. Weren't there more? Oh, really? I, so I it was like know. a human pyramid situation? I'm not. It might have been like a... Wait, do you mean human centipede? Or that human too. Pyramid? Is human pyramid a thing? Is that like No, the, the human centipede comes after the human pyramid. After the human pyramid. Okay. I'm still working on the human equal sign. She's <laughs> <laughs> just... What is the human... It's like, it's like this. Levitating? It's like one person levitates top on top of the other. That's not very erotic. And you know? it's, it is when I do it. It's true. Wait, wait a second. You don't sound like Asia. I'm not. This is a podcast called By That I Mean, and this is my first co-host who isn't Asia Coleman. Welcome, Miss Chelsea Steiner. Hello, everybody. Oh, you're too kind with your imaginary applause. Um, yes, I'm subbing in for Asia. Hello, Seth. Seth oh, podcast oh, hey. audience. Oh, oh, no, you weren't saying hi to me. You were saying hi to the audience. I was also saying Fine. hi Fine. Just keep playing to our imaginary <laughs> audience. Clearly... The 30 people who <laughs> listen to our podcast regularly are thrilled, are tickled beyond pink I at think this point. I think 29 of them might have just turned it off. Yep. Yep. They're like, not Asia, not interested. Not interested. I like it. I like it. She's really good. I like Asia. Miss, Miss Chelsea Steiner is a long, long suffering friend of mine. More or less, but I think Seth puts up with about an equal amount of suffrage, of women's and men's yeah, suffrage. You don't cause any suffrage. I don't give anyone the right to vote. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, not a one. <laughs> this is um, not a democracy. It's not a democracy. We have known each other for near at least 14 years. It's 14 years. It's a long time. Setham's a long time. We went to high school together in New Orleans, Louisiana. We did. Seth was the star quarterback. And I, I was. was the head cheerleader. We were extremely popular. So boring. We were the homecoming king and queen. And the prom king and queen. And double valedictorians. It was pretty embarrassing. Um, you guys, they begged us to leave. <laughs> Our achievements shamed them. And they didn't want us making the younger children feel bad that they couldn't live up to our gold standard. That pretty much sums up our high school experience. Mm -hmm. I came to film school in LA. You went to Stanford. And I studied, we did not film, but I did communications. And we've both been in LA for a while now. And you do what now as a job, madam? I am a screenwriter. A screenwriter. Of the professional variety. Of the, with a card and everything. I, I like that there's all these careers you can have in L.A. that you then have to be like, no, that's what I really do. Right, exactly. There are so many careers that can be faked in L.A. Mm -hmm. that actually explaining to someone that, no, you actually do that as a career. Yeah, it's weird that I have to, like, defend it. Um, <laughs> like, to defend my life choice. Like, I'm like, no, no, I'm really, I do it and I make money at it sometimes, not all the time. Why but, are you writing um, movies? Hey, writing. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like saying like, oh, I fly a unicorn to work. 
it's not it's not taken very seriously but wait, that's okay wait you weren't serious when you said you rode the unicorn to work well I no unless Ch- Chelsea, by unicorn you mean dachshund this is over Son this has a been bitch. a this has been the worst episode of by that I mean ever <laughs> it's a friendship ending episode you lie about unicorns I told lies about unicorns that's a deal breaker I might have insulted various ethnicities I feel pretty bad you about it. You offended a Sethnicity. A Seth- <laughs> I offended a Sethnicity. I did. I'm worse than the talking Summer's Eve hand vaginas. That's how bad I feel. That's setting the bar pretty leather. I know, right? Tell me, Sethams, are you looking forward to our high school reunion? Our 10-year high school ten reunion. 10-year high school reunion is in December. Seth and I are going. This December in New Orleans at a bar. At a bar. Surprise, surprise. True to form. Mm-hmm. And Seth and I are going to go and probably stir some shit up. Maybe, maybe break some hearts. Gonna, are you like conscripting in me into your war? <laughs> <laughs> are you like, I need a few good men? I do, I do. It's a no man left behind mission. We're going to go in, we're going to be tactical. It's going to be like SEAL Team 6. Oh, Jesus. It is. We're just going to go in there, take out Bin Laden, and then get is, the fuck is out. Is Bin Laden our resentment? It might be. Bin Laden's our resentment or our college but counselor. But why don't we don't kill know. it with... Why don't we just kill it with booze with rather booze. than with aggression? <laughs> that sounds like a better idea. I think we should take our emotions out on booze. Isn't that the healthier choice? When in doubt, bottle it out is what I was always told. Wow. Can I get that like embroidered on I'll a pillow? I can will. you pillow that for me? I can pill that up. <laughs> Seriously, what do you want to what do you want to do? At the like, reunion? Yeah. Like, like you're not like I would, aiming to settle scores, are you? Maybe I. You know, I'm not going to settle scores. Okay. Although I might, if someone tries to be really cool and we weren't cool, I'll probably yeah. be like, "Bitch." Please. Wait, tries to be really cool. What do you mean? I don't. I don't know. Like, tries to talk to me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It's not I mean, I'll just say I always have fantasies of the crazy shit happening you are know you just, but i know it's not gonna be like that i know people are just gonna be like normal people now i think everyone's just gonna be like 20 pounds overweight and some of them will have oh yeah no <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna unicycle in just flipping everybody off and then unicycle out um can it be like a flaming unicycle exactly. i don't care which part of the unicycle is on fire? Let it be the wheel. Let it be the seat. It's gonna but. be like it's gonna be like a Chris Angel experience. Like I'm just gonna magic my way in. <laughs> You're gonna mind freak everybody and then, and then leave. Freak my, and then I'm gonna drop one of those smoke things on the floor, and a plume of smoke will go up. And then and I'll you're gonna escape. whisper, "Mind freak." You just got mind, mind freak. freak. I'm on a unicycle. Fuck all of y'all. Exactly. Ten years. Ten years. See you in twenty years, bitches. Boom. Um, but yeah, I would like to leave. I would like to leave by like gas bomb, by smoke bomb exit. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I could. I wish I could make a gas bomb exit there's more a, often in my life. Gotta there's gotta be. There's so few opportunities. I know. If I although if I had access to that technology, I would do it everywhere. If I had a, if I had gas bomb technology, I would use it to like leave the bathroom. <laughs> well, even if you use it after you've gone, everyone knows it was you who <laughs> did <true>. it. <laughs> and then you'll get the reputation <laughs> as the massively shitting bathroom gas bombing crazy woman. <laughs> like, wow, she could just take a stinky shit and leave. She doesn't have like, to set off a gas bomb. What I want to do is drop the gas bomb and then wait for it to clear and then walk over and use the door two feet away. Yeah. Just yeah. to let people know that I could, but I don't have to. <laughs> you're like, oh, damn, I forgot to wash my hands. <laughs> and by the time you're done, all the gas is dispersed. Oh, you did come back in. <laughs> and all and the women like, who are still in stalls are like, I'm it's still shitting. <laughs> it <laughs> it is really foggy, foggy in, in here. here. It is so also, foggy it in smells here. awful. It smells terrible. I'm just saying, if you had access to that gas bomb technology, you wouldn't use it. You wouldn't be like, gas bomb and then make a cloud pretty much i want i feel like we should go to our reunion like treat it like we're batman and robin but i don't know which one of us would be batman and which one would be oh robin. no see no i'm gonna do it bruce wayne style uh-huh. we're already batman because we survived we survived like we're the, the we're harry potter we are we are harry I potter harry and it's potter been like and i'm hermione because you're wearing glasses oh okay that's cool and you have a lightning bolt scar on your head i <laughs> 
I didn't want to talk about my acne scars, <laughs> but thanks. No, that's not true, you guys. I don't break out on my forehead. I can vouch for that. We went through puberty together, so we've both seen things. We have seen so many we awful have things. Seen things. Yeah, I also wanted to bring up because we have so much shared history, mm-hmm. some of the unfortunate fashion choices I made. Some of the unfortunate fashion And lifestyle choices I made during I think, my high school years. I think we both made fairly poor lifestyle choices in that sometimes I wore corduroy pants. But in my defense, corduroy pants were really big in the 90s. Corduroy pants were huge in the 90s. People fucking... You know, you never see corduroy pants anymore. I liked corduroy pants. I think that look could come back. Well, see, I wore the wrong... I wore black corduroy pants and green corduroy pants. I remember those. I, <laughs> You look yeah, like a woodland elf. <laughs> I looked... <laughs> I looked like an assistant librarian. (laughs) Um, There was also the year of the butt cut. (laughs) (laughs) See, I loved your butt cut. I thought that was a good look. I was such a fan. I remember, like, Seth was so voluminous. Where his hair parted like just straight down the middle, like like a butt. Not even like not a degree off to either side. It was I fucking precise. got a protractor to the skull. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I got like I got like phrenology tools. <laughs> you had it like measured by the centimeter. I always wondered how much time that took you to like because it was Way perfectly too parted. Much. <laughs> it took me so much time. And I remember, like, I remember some time had passed. It made my head look so <laughs> fat, and it took me so much time to do. Like, it was so intricate, like, getting each individual hair. And, I mean, now I spend a bit of time on my hair, but nowhere near <laughs> your as long. hair looks good. Right, but now it looks good. That's the slight difference. But, oh, my God. But I remember something Seeing happened. pictures, I... <laughs> I just remember thinking about some time ago when you changed your hair. And I, said, and I said to you, I was like, oh, Seth, you look really good. Like, what happened? happened and you literally said I'm not combing my hair in the shape of a button (laughs) 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 I always thought it was such a funny like it wasn't like it wasn't like oh I've started working out or anything it's just I've ceased to comb my hair in a butt style on my head anymore I I went against the butt fair enough words to live by words to live by go against the butt it's like it's like against the grain Exactly. You can go your own way. I, go, I can go with the grain. <laughs> I go against the butt. I, I mean, I made some poor lifestyle choices. For instance, I asked Miss Chelsea Steiner out on a date once. Over email. I just like to see you ask no, me it wasn't. over email. I remember I thought this. it was like in person first. Well, here's, I, here's how I remember it. You emailed it to me, but I didn't know how to open up my email because we weren't like doing email back in the day. Just to, it wasn't like just that. to point this out, I have blocked all of this out. I, I literally know, remember totally so blocked. little of my high school experience. I have blocked so much of it out. But yeah, no, Seth asked me out over email. It was very romantic, except that I couldn't access my school email because um, I clearly did not take any computer classes. Um, and, then, and then you just you actually just told me in the hallway. You're like, let's go out. And I remember that. And part of my brain was like, hmm, I have a feeling this isn't going to work out. Um, and that part of my brain <laughs> Why opened. Why is that? Just, was that the gaydar part of your brain? I thought maybe there might have been something about Seth. I couldn't put my finger on it. <laughs> couldn't put your jazz fingers on couldn't it? Couldn't put my jazz hands on it. Um, that he did not like vaginas. And I was right. It turned out you were right. It turned out. It really did. And it was it was partly through the power of your rejection. Really? Because you were like, if I can't have Chelsea Steiner, I just swear off vaginas forever? No. It was like, because by that point, I pretty much knew I was. Mm-hmm. And was that, wait, was that your last ditch attempt at heterosexuality? Were you I like- think it might have been my Alamo. <laughs> The last stop on the train to Coxville. <laughs> Coxville. I'm worried that for maybe more than one guy, I've I've been the last stop on the train to Coxville. I've had many female friends who were through men's Alamo. It's kind of a dual sword being the Alamo, I think. Because on the one hand, it's really embarrassing because you're like, wow, I'm so bad. Like, 
at being straight that I have like drive other people gay. But on the other hand, you're like the last man standing. Like you're like the last one to step on the rainforest before it goes up in flames. No, like I think what appealed to me about you most was like how self-aware you were. And at that point, I was still kind of on the verge of becoming self-aware, but almost there, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, I think part of the reason that was, like, the same motivation went into asking you out as, like, becoming your friend initially. I thought it was my limited two turtlenecks. That's why, was it not those? The turtlenecks sealed the deal. (laughs) Was it not my graphic tees? Because those were awesome. <laughs> Your graphic tees were banging. You know what's they were they were definitely banging. Um, and what's sad is like I still kind of wear what I wore in high school. Like I still just wear jeans and t-shirts. Only now the t-shirts are a bit more low cut, and the jeans have holes in them. So essentially, I'm dressing worse than I did in high school. <laughs> I might have had more status fun. report. You guys status report slip sliding down the taste <laughs> ladder. What's happening? Um, yeah, I don't think either of us just well in high school. Oh my god, I'm I. My mom is emptying her house to sell. <gasps> Did she have like old Seth Pearson clothes? Oh, so many old Seth Pearson clothes. She started trying to go real specific mm-hmm. on like, do you want shoes? Do you want the dress shoes? Do you want these shirts? Do you want these <laughs> jeans? And I'm like, mom, I regret. All of those clothing <laughs> items. You're like, I regret every Pretty much down to the last them. one. Also, I was so much bigger. Yeah, you Like, are. it's so funny. Like, I have, I have so many large and extra large t-shirts back home. But you're, looking, it, you're looking nice, slender fella. Yeah, I finally decided to not treat my body like shit. <laughs> um, and that turned out well. Yay, for not treating ourselves like poop. My mom was trying to play the clothes game with me too, and I was like, "If it's anything from Wet Seal or Contempo Casuals, I think I can make the blanket statement of wet I'm not going to wear those again." Wet Seal was what the is shit. That? Wet Seal is a store for girls who are too positive for Hot Topic, but too trashy for the Gap. You go to Wet Seal. A lot of their clothes are made out of what I can only assume is plastic. Like if Spencer's had more clothes or something? Yeah, like if Spencer's Gifts had clothes, it might be okay. Wet Seal. You know what? Wet Seal is like um, Forever 21 for ghetto suburbanites. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wet Seal. Wet Seal. Just sounds like a porn title to me. Doesn't it? I never, I never, I've always thought kind of filthy for a like tweens clothing store. But what do I know? This is the first time I've had a guest co-host, and hopefully not the and last the, time. Most definitely the last. <laughs> Most time. definitely the last time. Never again. Um, if I don't completely delete all the audio files of this <laughs> immediately after we press stop, um, I'm going to have you back here. Hooray! Well, I absolutely loved being here and eating the pizza that you ordered. Oh, yes. And also being on your podcast. (laughs) Oh, yes. We got a pizza rosa from Palermo Italian Restaurant on Vermont. Are you like shift? Are you fishing for sponsorship? I have been fishing for sponsorship on almost every episode of (laughs) By That I Mean. Are you just like, and then you're like, and anyway, sign my name with a number two pencil. Number two pencils. Oh, no, 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 no. We aim big. We've gone for iPads. Uh Uh-huh. We've asked for tickets to the Olympics. I don't know. You know who should sponsor you is Port of Call, because you have so many of their cups. On a previous episode, I did, in fact, talk about the Port of Call cups and say that they have the best burger, and then demand that they send me at least two pounds of their in-house aged hamburger (laughs) (laughs) in the mail. Nice. Just in a paper bag. That's how you send hamburger. Yeah, yeah, sure. And hopefully it gets left in the sun and cooks. So once it gets to my doorstep, I've got medium rare manila envelope hamburger. I feel like you (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you and your port of call cups, like if there was a Seth action figure, he would come with a removable port of call cup in his hand. Well see, I've replaced it with this far sturdier blue water bottle and I have other colors of water bottle now. But 
Um, mm, hate I, to spend her multiple colors of water bottles. That's right, you guys. I <laughs> live the high life. I have three different three. water bottles Just that so I use. Just so you can open up the cabinet and be like, Biederman, I think I'd like the green water bottle today. Yeah, Biederman is my <laughs> invisible... He's not even a butler, because obviously I'm in the cabinet getting the <laughs> water bottles myself, but he's Biederman's my invisible... Cabinet fairy. Yeah, let's not talk about my cabinet fairies <laughs> or my closet skeletons. So here's a headline from the Huffington Post. Okay, fire away. Seeking arrangement. College students using sugar daddies to pay off loan debt. (laughs) Okay, nice. I feel, is this just breaking news now? Like, is there a website for that? Oh. Like Ashley Madison style? Just you wait. (laughs) On a Sunday morning in late May, Taylor left her Harlem apartment and boarded a train for Greenwich, Connecticut. She planned on spending the day with a man she had met online, but not in person. Taylor, a 22-year-old student at Hunter College, had confided in a roommate about the trip and they agreed to swap text messages during the day to make sure she was safe. And not murdered. Yeah, seriously. That sounds reasonable to, you know, just jump on a train and go to another state to meet someone you haven't met in person before, who you met on the internet. Right. If someone sends me one instant message just out of the blue saying, you know, drive to Colorado... Why wouldn't I get in my car immediately? You know what? I go on better. If someone sends me an IM, I just send them my social security number so they can learn about me on their own time. I flash my social security card if someone looks at me. If I make direct eye contact Mm -hmm. with someone on the street, I'll be like, you know what? You, You looked right at my eyes. I trust you enough. Here's my information. Yeah. I should also mention that I do like to jump into unmarked vans because you never know where they're going to take you. It's an adventure every time. So what happened to this girl? Did she get murdered? Okay, so a month, this student Taylor, a month prior, faced with about 15,000 in unpaid tuition and overdue bills, Taylor and her roommate typed tuition, debt, and money for school into Google. A website called (laughs) seekingarrangement.com popped up. Intrigued by the promise of what the site billed as a college tuition sugar daddy, Taylor created a sugar baby profile and eventually connected with the man from Greenwich. So when they see sugar daddy and sugar babies, are they, is this just like a sex arrangement? Is it like prostitution, but they pay your tuition instead? Saddled with piles of student debt and a job-scarce, lackluster economy, current college students and recent graduates are selling themselves to pursue a diploma or pay down their loans. They don't (laughs) <laughs> pay the tuition <laughs> directly. <laughs> so, it's, so it's not like I'm depositing, here's my tuition check for the semester. Not quite. From Carl Rove, Esquire. No, it's not like... Right. No, it's not like a check from <laughs> like the Crossroads GPS or what the fuck ever. I, I've got to say, I feel like this has probably been done well before someone came up with the idea to make a website for it. Um, and I wish that I had known about this website maybe a few years ago. When I was still paying off my student loans. The sugar daddy, sugar baby community. Mm-hmm. Or trade. I guess it's a trade, right? Tra- is it's it a, a train? profession. A trade. Oh, I thought you said train. I was it's- like <laughs> I was like like the love train? Like people no, the money the train. world. The money train. Um, I guess it is a trade. It's bartering. Only Well, yeah, I think it's a I think it's it I think sex work is a business just like any other. And I think what you derive from your sex work should be used however you feel you need to use it to support yourself or whatever. Well, better use it on school than on meth, is what I always say. Better school than meth. I have that stitched on a pillow in my house. It wasn't better meth than school? Damn it, Seth. We do this every time. It made a good motto for my meth business, though. Okay, so more about the Seeking Arrangement Mm -hmm. site. Over the past few years, the number of college students using our site has exploded, says Brandon Wade, the 41-year-old founder of Seeking Arrangement. Of the site's approximately 800,000 members, Wade estimates that 35% are students. Question, do they have like a gay section on this website? Or is it like eHarmony where I have to fill out a really long profile? And love Jesus. Um, there, There are profiles. And I think we should create one and find now a sugar I see, daddy. Like what, now what disappoints me about that is that OkCupid okay, isn't like that. But, but OkCupid's okay, free. Yeah, but that's not... So it's, it's kind of a wide range. Yeah. Maybe if, you like, if it was like a pay service like Match or even JDate. But they have an A-list work. section. Really? Yeah. Evan, I haven't been on it in a while. 
but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, that's it. true. You've been taken off the market. I've been off the market um, in a relationship. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? I totally, under, I would rather get a job than see old hairy man balls, but that's just me. Yeah, but I think these ladies probably make more from doing sex work than they would at any kind of like part-time job. That is true. That is true. Um, but actually, like, if anything, I think this points to the fact that, uh, like, sex work should be legal. Yeah, I think it should totally and, be legal. like, there should be legal protections for you, and you should be able to derive a fair wage for it and get health care. I agree. I mean, I think it's one of those things that's been so, you know you know it's highlighted as seedy or seamy and but if you look on the internet pretty much everything terrible is already out there everything bad is already out there in the world and prostitution they joke that it's like the world's oldest profession um but it's true it's been around for ages and it's not going anywhere until we invent those like sex bots from sci-fi movies until those like become a thing yeah well, yeah. And I've seen the prototypes for those, like, on um, science websites, and they're terrifying. Oh, really? They are very disturbing. Oh. Are they humanoid? They they are. They're, like, um, like the real girl like dolls. Like the real dolls, that yeah. That is not... Who wants to have sex with that? The person who yeah. fucks a real doll is someone who really wants to fuck a real doll. I guess. Like, I you guess. have to be decided on that. You, well, you don't happen upon that, like, on a whim. <laughs> you don't just, like, stumble into it. No. Like, you find it outside on the street by, like, a used couch. Yeah, it doesn't, like, one doesn't just appear in your closet one I day. I mean, if it's going to the dump anyway, we may as well, you know. <laughs> right, right. Or you get so many real doll, like, website certificates for your birthday, and you're like, well, I can't spend it on anything else. <laughs> you just, the one thing you ask for for your birthday <laughs> is real doll gift certificates. It was on my Amazon wish list. <laughs> and then you, like, act doll surprise when everyone gets you real doll gift certificates <laughs> and you're like guys this is so weird why would it's i want like, this wow it's such it's, a coincidence that all of you got me gift certificates that total fifty six hundred dollars which is i don't know how much they cost but like they are super expensive they're, they're really many expensive. thousands of dollars you've got to like really commit exactly to wanting to fuck exactly. a piece of plastic like exactly you really, you so know. i mean so that said i bet for them mm-hmm the first time is probably an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Like the deflowering? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine... Romantic, light some candles. But my question is, like, at what point the sunk cost (laughs) (laughs) and the reality Mm -hmm. of fucking in an an Mm -hmm. inanimate thing, Mm -hmm. when does that settle in? That's a good question. I would think I would think almost immediately, but it depends well, on how it depends much. on the power mm-hmm. of the artificial pussy. It does. It does. <laughs> I wonder if that thing is like, like not to be gross, but like, do you have to? Oh, do you have to feel lube, free. Be gross. Do you have to lube that thing? I don't think it comes pre-lubed. Oh no, you have to lube. You have to lube it every you, time. You have to clean it by hand. How do you? clean that fake pussy though that's do you do you have to fist the pussy you after to, you you've fucked get, it you have to like get really in there what do you clean it with is it windex are you going to use like one of those orange cleaners you're not going to use a wire brush that'll summer's just scratch eve? everything summer's eve maybe don't be silly <laughs> <laughs> by the way if i can just tangent off for a minute we've got feel free this show gotta, is entirely tangent based nice. we've got to talk about those summer's eve commercials with the talking hand vagina oh, the talking is that fucking not, vaginas is that not the craziest thing you've ever that. seen is that it was the, on bill maher but still i like well first of all i find it like hilarious and offensive on a number of levels on the so first many of levels. which is Whoever made this commercial is equating a vagina with a hand. Equating a vagina with a hand. And also equating a woman with a vagina. Exactly. exactly. Literally the only thing that speaks for women is is its vagina. vagina. Is is her vagina. Yeah. yeah. Is like senior Winston-Sloss like on the hand. (laughs) I like that they thought, you know what, guys? Not all vaginas are white. There's like a rainbow coalition of vaginas out there. And then they get the African-American vagina. And literally, the vagina's like, mm, girl, you know what it is. Oh, I've, I saw them. It's like, it's crazy. It's crazy racist. 
to me, honestly, it's hilariously racist. I'm kind of obsessed with it, but I haven't seen... I've seen the white one, the Hispanic one, the Latina one, and um, the African-American one. I was hoping for the Jewish one to come out, where it'd be, like, in the middle of a bat mitzvah, <laughs> and then it's, like, holding a yarmulke. Would it have, like, pube sideburns? It would. It would have... It would have... Um, <laughs> Those things have a name and I don't remember them because I'm not a very good Jew. <laughs> I was going to actually come on the show and be the resident Jew expert. In the festive top hat? The festive top hat. You know, the Jew cap. Um, but then I realized I don't know anything about Judaism except that I am one. So instead you just have... I am one Judaism. I am one piece of Judaism. Um, one unit. I know. I know. One unit? One unit. <laughs> We measure each other by units. That's how Jewish you are. I've got maybe like 17. I don't know. I think. Now, can you get a, a higher number of units over time? Like if you marry a Jew, do your units go up? I think they do. Like, I think my boyfriend's getting more units because he's genuinely interested in Judaism. Like he wants to know more about me oh, and no. about my religion. And I'm like, <laughs> what about and your I'm like oh, are you, are you barking at the wrong tree? <laughs> your deep, deep spiritual tradition. But he keeps asking me questions about like kosher food and the Israelites. And I don't have any answers because I didn't have a bat mitzvah. And I feel really <laughs> ignorant and stupid. You and didn't I know have you, a bat mitzvah? I didn't have a bat mitzvah. I did not <gasps> have a bat mitzvah. I know, shock. I like that you're this so is like a, This has like to a, be a children's book in some like orthodox store. Like the little a, girl who didn't get a bat mitzvah. And it should end like a Hans Christian Andersen story. Like, And then they chop off her feet and throw her in a river. And you're like, oh. It's that like, is, wow, this took a turn. That's not for children. The excesses of faith, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but you know, I know you're hoping for some nasally Jewish wisdom in this guest hosting <laughs> spot but you're yeah, not Yeah, this get was it. going to be Fran Jesher but sadly I could only get you. Fran Jesher wasn't available. So she so stopped returning me. my calls <laughs> because I was making them from her bedroom. Because <laughs> uh, she was like, oh my God, stop living under my pillow, Seth. <laughs> and that was actually her scream. It's the same as her <laughs> it's laugh. It's the same as her laugh. Yep. I wish I was in the board meeting where they pitched that ad campaign and they're like, okay, guys, we know. Is it, is it, is the black version or the Latina version worse? I think that I, to me, the black, they're both equally offensive, but I would have to say the yeah. black one because she calls uh-huh. her vagina something like Majaveve. Lady Wowza. Lady Wowza. That's it. <laughs> Lady Wowza. Which might be my roller derby name. In the grand tradition of the past eight episodes of the By That I Mean podcast, our first guest co-host has brought in a story of her own. I have. I have. And I think you're going to like this. The headline of the story is Student Sue's School Over Homecoming Weekend Wigger Day. Let's identify the source of this article and hopefully the author if they list one. The article is from my main news source, Jezebel.com. Uh, the author <laughs> is Margaret Hartman. Um, and basically, there's a high school in Minneapolis who, you know, some schools do spirit days like Pajama Day or like when we were in high school, we did like, you know, 60s Day or 80s Day. This school did Wednesday Wigger Day where the students involved wore clothes that, quote unquote, from their perspective, mimicked black culture. And a black student rightly said, what the fuck is going on here? Did everyone lose their minds? and is suing the school. Now, I was shocked and appalled by the story, mainly because I didn't know we were still using the word wigger. Thoughts? Right, right, like, it, I'm still amazed at how blithely, like, people toss out that word. I don't think it means what they think it means. What do they think it means? I, do, I don't know, I think they think it's something, they think, they think it means, like, Kevin Federline. But Apparently, wigger is somehow okay to say now. And further, what the fuck? What? Where was this? Minneapolis? Minneapolis. Not exactly a hotbed of the crazy. I know, right? But even in places that are rampantly racist, it's really rare that it goes this obvious. To like a school level? At a, and at a school, yeah, as a school function that is... So, it, did you it, like? Did you read down in the article? Does it explain why they did that? Did they justify it somehow? Well, apparently, um, the this girl says that in the school, it was never an officially sanctioned event, 
but a bunch of students like just decided to do it anyway. Apparently it's supposed to be tropical day, so they were supposed to wear like grass skirts and stuff, but instead like a whole bunch of students were like, you know what, fuck that, we're gonna be wiggers, and they all like put on baggy pants and baseball hats backwards and do-rags, which I can only imagine they've only seen black people in 90s movies or music videos. Right, um, exactly. It seems it seems like the weird it seems like a weird like time capsule early 90s form of racism. Right, that's so true. Well, because like the the wigger thing was a thing when we were kids, but yeah. like I think it pretty much died after that's so, it's so it, it's it's almost like an old timey insult. It's like they're doing it anachronistically, me. like a Sadie Hawkins dance or something. Right? Or if honestly, like I was thinking about it the other day, if someone called me a kike today, I know that kike's better for you. I would be so surprised that they use that word because I don't think <laughs> right. I've ever heard that. You're like actually. Congratulations for even remembering that was a word. Yeah, like I've like I've don't think I've ever heard that word in real life outside <laughs> of like a movie or a TV show. That took place a long time ago. Someone, it'd yeah, be yeah. so bizarre. Well, the world economy didn't implode this week. Do you know why? Do you know why, Chelsea? I know. Please, please enlighten me. Because they raised the debt ceiling. Holla, raise the debt roof. Both houses of Congress voted to raise the statutory amount of debt and the amount of money that the U.S. government is allowed to owe. You know, you so rarely hear the word statutory not followed by rape. So kudos well, in this case, using that. In this case, it's pretty much the same thing. Isn't this like the 70-something time we've raised the debt ceiling, though? Oh, it's been raised hundreds of times. It was raised seven times during the George W. Bush administration, and it has never before been tied to spending cuts. It's never been tied to the budget process. In fact, other industrialized Western countries don't have a debt ceiling because it represents money that the government has already committed to spending. It's already on the credit card. So let me ask you something. Where did they land in turn? Like who who won? Like who won the debt ceiling? The Tea Party. The Tea Party. Damn it! Why do they win everything? Because they're backed by corporate money, and they agitate in favor of doing nothing. And doing nothing is usually more profitable to the companies and people who profit on broken systems. What provides the most profit to the people who gained the system in their favor? Why is it that the right wing is always so much quicker to like mobilize and get together and form parties and have rallies than the far left is? Because I feel like it used to be the other way around. But now it the was. Republicans make the most noise. Part of it is not that they make the most noise, but they are the most covered. Like all the Sunday shows, the Meet the Press and everything, 90% of the guests are Republicans or with like very conservative Democratic think tanks or whatever. Like the parties themselves have gotten pulled way, way, way to the right both parties compared to what they used to be. But these new Tea Party Republicans basically believe that government is a bad thing and they've all signed a pledge that says they'll never raise taxes um, for basically any reason whatsoever. I love that all these people keep harping on how government is a bad thing. We want less government. We want no government. Yet they all want jobs in government. Well, and it's the irony of campaigning on broken government and then taking office to make sure it stays that way the tea party came together so fast as soon as obama got into office we had the tea party why where's the liberal response like where's the left side response well that's the thing everyone expected obama to be the left's response to it because i mean the progressives like the kind of progressive community the really liberal liberals of which i count myself a lot of folks thought Obama was going to be the one who would clearly articulate the case for government, the case in favor of an active government that spends money during a time of economic crisis to create jobs, because that is what's going to reduce our deficits. It means government has to spend less money and put less on the credit card. It means we can pay off our debts means we don't have to stop doing basic services and cut back on people's health care. And I mean, the, the deal that ended up getting passed, 
part of it is that they raised the debt ceiling. So now the government can continue to honor its debts and spend, send out money. But there are going to be about a trillion dollars of cuts now to spending that isn't related to defense and Social Security, Medicare, that shit. Well, what is getting cut? It's called non-defense discretionary spending. It's like a category of the spending uh, of the government spending that is so small as to be basically negligible compared to how much money we spend on defense, how much money we spend on Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, and on tax cuts to rich people. Um, because if you think about it, tax cuts in general are revenue that doesn't come in. Tax cuts are saying that we're not going to take in the revenue that would be taken in through taxation. So that costs money too. And another thing that costs trillions of dollars is tax loopholes that allow rich people and corporations to write off all their profits and not have to pay taxes on anything. That's also money that the government is, that our society is giving up to those people. So what's going to happen now is they're cutting a trillion dollars of spend of government spending. Thankfully, the cuts are what's called backloaded, which means that they'll start cutting more later and cut a lot less now. So I think this year it's only like, it's less than $20 billion cut this year, but every little bit counts. And the country is very close to a double dip recession. There's an article on a slate.com called... Double Dip Recession and the Debt Ceiling Compromise by Annie Lowry. I learned in this article that last week the Commerce Department is tracking economic growth and they discovered that in the second quarter the economy grew at an annual rate of 1.3%. In the first quarter it grew at an annual rate of 0.4%, a figure revised down sharply from previous estimates. Based on the first six months of 2011, the economy is growing less than 1% per year. About one-third of the speed we would expect during a normal expansion. In short, the recovery has completely stalled and the economy is perilously close to double-dipping back into recession. These horrid growth figures are magnified by horrible jobs figures. 14.1 million Americans are out of work. Millions more are underemployed, discouraged from hunting for jobs, or quote-unquote missing workers who have, not, uh, who have elected not to enter the labor market. Even if the economy suddenly starts growing at the pace of the 2002 to 2007 expansion, the unemployment rate would not drop to its pre-recession level of 5% until 2018. But the debt deal has nothing to do with that. It does nothing to uh, remotely related to helping people who are out of work. It doesn't extend unemployment insurance or like a, the payroll tax holiday, which put a little bit back into people's payroll checks that Obama got passed last year. And so they're saying that this, this quote unquote compromise between that and the lack of extension of unemployment insurance and the payroll tax could cost like several hundred thousand jobs. You know, I feel like a lot of people want to put this on Obama because he's the president, because he's there. But we have such a corrupted, broken Congress system. And I think that we underestimate how little control the president has in the face of Congress. I've actually been talking about this a lot on recent episodes. Um, and I agree so, 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 so much. Um, the job of a legislator now... Is to make money. Is ...has make turned money. into a fundraising fucking suckathon. Well, I mean, I don't think it all boils down to campaign finance reform because I think what we have is the intersection of two really bad things. One is a broken campaign financing system. And I think the first step in fixing everything that's wrong with the country has to start with changing the way we fund elections. But I also think that the right wing and the Republican Party in this country have gone so far over the edge that they have changed the window of what opinions are acceptable in America. And Rupert Murdoch had a huge amount to do with this. People talk about you crossing the line, going over the line. The entire line has been shifted. Where we are on that line of what's acceptable and what isn't is... Exactly, exactly. And I mean, there are people who 
literally are not four years out of power from the last administration now saying, oh no, we didn't torture, but if we did, it was worth it. Literally going on book tours for the books they wrote about the brave choices they made to torture people. And we've discovered that the American government kidnapped and tortured over 100 people to death. In the Obama administration, the decision was made early on that we're going to look forward and not look behind. Mm -hmm. And going back to your point, because the legislative process is so dominated by money whoring, the politics of fear have a lot more currency in our government than they really should. And it's easy to pass any measure whatsoever that restricts our rights or gets people kidnapped and tortured in the name of protecting people. We don't have a Congress that's prepared to challenge the president to write legislation that ends wars, to write legislation and create committees and actually investigate people who authorize torture, which of course Congress wouldn't do because it's their colleagues, it's their professional colleagues. To me, a big part of the problem is no term limits. You know, we have people oh, who've see, been that's... in government corrupt for for decades almost, who just stay in there, and it becomes a system of cronyism that is ultimately really damaging. I could have agreed with you until this last election. To me, the Tea Party proved that how long you're in office doesn't matter. It's what you propose because the tea party is doing more damage to the legislative process than even the George W. Bush era Republicans did. And the the Bush era Republicans did a lot of damage legislatively. The Clinton era Republicans like Gingrich were awful too, but even they seem like slightly saner creatures than the tea party. The raising of the debt ceiling has never, ever been linked to cutting spending from government, cutting the size of government. The Tea Party won this negotiation because Obama and the Congress blinked. It's not just going to be bad for the economy in terms of cutting out money that won't be collected by the government in the form of revenues or anything, but also cutting off the idea of Congress writing new laws to create jobs. And now Obama is saying, oh, we're going to pivot to jobs because obviously he wants to get reelected and he has to pretend like he's able to do something. But I don't think anything will pass this Congress to create jobs because of the Tea Party. Well, where it really gets nefarious is the Tea Party's influence on journalism. And news media is so unethical today that you can have people saying bold-faced lies on the radio, quote-unquote newsmen and journalists just saying bold-faced lies. You know, well, and this what, is with why the Fox News guys saying that the president wanted to resolve the debt crisis before Ramadan. Oh, God, and before his birthday. There oh, it was so be, disgusting. There used to be journalistic ethics. That was a thing that existed. Now That was a thing that say, existed before news divisions were part of entertainment divisions at the multinational corporations that make the news. And the media has gone from being a, a fifth column or whatever, a check on government, to being a subsidiary of government because national government, at least, has become kind of a reality show where most legislators, again, because they're doing the fundraising dance, are, are kind of TV characters more than they are legislators. You know, and it, but I think the danger of term limits is that you're going to get rid of people who've been there long enough to actually know how it works. And knowing the ways in which it's corrupted, it sounds sick to say it, but knowing the levers of power is important whether you're doing it to noble ends or not. So the thing I would worry about is that good people who really are fighting for liberal ideas or even just legitimate conservative ideas, which the Tea Party isn't, would be the ones that would get knocked out by term limiting. But I also totally agree that campaign finance reform is got to be the start. What I think makes this most unlikely is the way the media treats these members of these Democratic and Republican parties as though they're in any way like their predecessors. Because these people are TV, for the most part, these people are TV actors. During the election, everyone's like, Obama's an elitist. You know, the lefts are elitist. Everyone's an elitist. I'm like, 
They should be. I want someone smarter than me running the country. I want someone smarter and better equipped to do that stuff than I am, than the guy who lives next door to me is. Well, but at this point, it can't just be about who's smarter. Real leadership in this country is going to have to be someone who's willing to change the story that America tells itself about itself. And I don't think Obama is using the narrative gifts that he obviously has to tell that story of of what change would mean. Because even his proposals, which he's obviously shown he's willing to completely throw aside to get the deal done, even his proposals weren't to the left. He was he ran and campaigned as a moderate. I think a lot of Obama's supporters should admit that they expected too much from voting just for him, that they didn't focus enough on the other parts of government that need change that uh, like well Obama rode in on his white horse and he was so positive and he was yes we can and we all really wanted to believe that he was going to be the one who could change it all because he was such a likable honest guy but we forget and we forget that all of the damage that was done in the Bush administration isn't going to go away overnight. It's like Obama can ride in with an eraser and just erase the past eight years. The ramifications of what the Bush administration did are going to live on for decades and decades. Well, and what, what disturbs me most about Obama is not the laws that he promised to pass that he didn't get passed, but it's the... Powers that Bush claimed for himself that Obama has gone even further than Bush in claiming. Um, I mean, he's claimed the uh, authority to assassinate Americans abroad if he labels them terrorists. Um, He's obviously Guantanamo prison is still open. Um, But again, that, that still goes back to having to have a Congress willing to write laws that limit the president's powers Mm -hmm. and to end this permanent state of emergency that we're in that Bush started with the war on terror. Obama is approaching terrorism more as a police and intelligence matter than a military matter. But at the same time, we're still throwing hundreds of billions of dollars at the corrupt regimes that George W. Bush started that are pretty much going to collapse or stand on their own two feet, regardless of what further we do there. Well, I think it's such a complicated issue. It um, is, because it what it points to is, like because the, the whole story the country has told itself no longer applies. We cannot be the world's policemen. That part of the story has to change we can't live our lives solely to make money making money is not the only definition of being a good american getting ahead in life and being a successful american can't just mean attaining property well it's drilled into us though we're drilled into believe you know you come to exactly. america you become a success the american dream you come here and you make a lot of money and you become really successful and that but, lens, and now the lesson that we need to learn is living within our means. Yeah, well, but the the scary thing is that the live within our means mantra has become our government's only conversation. At a time when, with so many people unemployed, the government has to be the spender of last resort. I mean, it's just disturbing when you compare it to back when Jimmy Carter was president and they had the gas crisis. He advised everyone... Um, instead of using heat in their homes, instead of raising temperature, to put on a sweater. And he literally made a national announcement that was like, hey, if you're chilly, put on a sweater before you put on the heat. Can you imagine if Obama said something like that today? He said to put air in your tires during the campaign, remember? And Republicans completely Mm -hmm. pilloried him for that. Part of what saddens me about the horrible way that he's been treated in the conservative press and in turn by the mainstream press that covers the conservative press obsessively because it makes for entertaining television is I think he I think the president is even more reticent to engage and to ask the American people to do something than he was before. Hell, and I mean, like during the whole debt ceiling debate thing, he 
was taking to Twitter and like having his senior staff like tweeting people and tweeting out names and numbers of legislators. But he was telling people to call in and demand a balanced plan How? and a compromise. I got so depressed when he put out that thing that was like, write your congressman. Like it was such, it was like a cry for help from the president of the United States. And I was like, this is a cry for help from the president of the United States. It's really depressing. It's like having your hero come up to you and like ask to borrow $20 because they're late on the rent. You're just like, shit, man, really? Like that's like writing to your congressman. That is... Like that's, it's such a, like, when did we get to this place? When did we get to the place where the president is on TV being like, could you guys talk to John Boehner for me? He's really being a douche and I just can't deal with him anymore. Well, because I I think most people approach thinking about politics the wrong way. They like to think of it as all humans do as a morality play. And it's always easier to understand the stuff or feel at peace with this stuff when it's heroes and villains involved and not just characters who are part of a system because our problems really aren't just with individual politicians in the system who needed who need to be voted out and there are certainly tons of those it's systemic problems it's Mm -hmm. campaign finance for one it's our supreme court which has become extraordinarily right-wing and is rolling back regulations on corporate America left and right and rolling back rights in an unprecedented pace. Um, it was just, it was and just I so think, depressing when he, when that, I know. Out, it was like, really it's on us now, you know, you, you guys, Which, you, you guys, guys I'm, I'm tweeting you. Um, I don't know if you've been following my status updates, but things are really bad here in Washington guys. Oh Jesus. You like, guys, I wanted to send a DM, but but I figured I would just add everybody. Hey, are you guys on Google Plus? Like, I'm just like, fuck, man. I don't want to get a Facebook message from Obama being like, LOL, frowny face, things aren't going well. That's like the opposite of what I want. I want R O T F L M A O, bitches. Exclamation point, exclamation point, smiley face. And then to read, like, Malia took over my Twitter. <laughs> oh, that lovable scamp. There's something very disheartening when even the president's like, I mean, it's like it's like seeing your parents cry or something. It's not well, and yeah, and what the president needs to call for, what is really lacking, is any kind of civic engagement. We're not like it, because I think because things are so shitty, mm-hmm. um, and because the problems of our politics are systemic and can't be reduced down to this guy bad, mm-hmm. this lady good. Well, what's um, that? It makes it easier for people to get cynical and tune out. Well, also, there are a lot of stupid motherfuckers. Yeah, there's plenty of stupid motherfuckers. But back in the day, I mean, when people protested the war in Vietnam, people took to the streets. Everyone took to the streets. And, you know, whether, you know, it did make a difference. I think ultimately that's what it's going to require for things to change in this country. But can we I don't but I don't see the motivation for that happening, because I, I think in the Vietnam era, kids were at direct risk of being drafted into that conflict um and now because of our all-volunteer force it's the poorest people who have no other options and kids who were already fucked by the american educational system who have no better job prospects and no further route to secondary education it's a lot of people who don't deserve to have to fight our wars but our wars are still getting fought well it's just how personal does it have to get until people get upset I mean, I guess until it's like stabbing us in the heart, but it just well, but, feels like people are so but detached but, from it. But we are getting stabbed in the heart already. And I mean, income inequality right now, the gap between the richest people in this country and the poorest is wider than it was before the Great Depression. But we have somewhat more of a safety net now and only for a little while longer if Tea Partiers and Republicans get their way. And um, we have Facebook, because the, which keeps you pretty busy if you're unemployed. Yeah, that's so we've got that going for us. I'm sure in the future, some country is going to happen upon a better way of structuring jobs, structuring healthcare. Well, I'll be looking forward to that magical unicorn government when it happens. Yeah, we'll all enjoy that <laughs> country that isn't America. Our final issue mm-hmm. of this episode of the "By That I Mean" podcast is. A kind of a review of a book, actually, but a very interesting review. Um, it's called Beware of Dangerous Politicians by Stephen Levingston, and it's on the Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com. 
Are some political parties more dangerous than others? James Gilligan makes it clear where he comes down on the issue. Gilligan, a psychiatrist and professor at New York University, presents his new book, Why Some Politicians Are More Dangerous Than Others, as a kind of murder mystery, or more precisely, a look at mystery about murder, in which he includes self-murder or suicide. His inquiry explores why rates of homicide and suicide tend to increase together, and why those rates fluctuate so enormously over brief periods of time. He tracked rates of suicide and homicide over a century, from 1900 to 2007, and was intrigued by the peaks and valleys he saw. He realized that all three of the epidemics of lethal violence that he found corresponded with the presidential election cycle. Wow. What Gilligan found was that suicides and homicides started climbing to epidemic levels following the election of a Republican president. Why am I not fucking surprised? He also discovered that the rates remained around epidemic levels throughout the time Republicans occupied the White House. The increase began during their first year or years in office and peaked in their last year or years. And what happened when a Democratic president tootled up to the White House gate in a moving van? Tootled up? Tootled up. (laughs) Excellent. Really tootled. Tootled. Those epidemic levels of violence, according to Gilligan, began to reverse direction in the first year or two of a Democratic administration, and the rates reached their lowest point in the last year or years of the Democratic term. Well, it's because I believe the political terminology is the Democrats come in and they expecto some Patronuses out of their wands, and all the dementors that the Republicans employ fly away. Wait, but I thought all the ones who expected Patronuses out of their wands got caught taking pictures of them and tweeting them. Tweeting their tweeting their Patronuses. Also didn't... All over. Yeah. <laughs> or they got voted out by Tea Partiers. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I Why am I not surprised that Republicans in office make people want to kill themselves and other people? Well, of course, the cause. Policies. In Gilligan's view, the policies of Republican administrations increase socioeconomic distress, which has all sorts of ramifications that lead to higher rates of murder and suicide. Violent crime and homicide and suicide have been going down and down and down and down in American society. And other studies have found conclusively that economies grow more under Democratic administrations than Republican ones. I just wish that the Democratic White House, the Democratic Senate, would act like they have power in the amount of branches of the government that they have power in and actually act like Democrats. I feel like if the Democrats had a power animal or spirit animal, it would be that droopy dog. Right. We are not. Well, and Joe Lieberman is that. Yeah. He is the mascot. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why? It's become this ballless, defeated sort of party that suggests. It's not even defeat. It's like pre-feat. Exactly, exactly. It's very, like, I give up before, like, why even try? Right, right. And I, I think, again, part of what that, a lot of what go, that goes back to is trying to please the people who make it possible for them to keep their jobs. And if there weren't so much money in getting reelected and jumping between the private sector and public sector, maybe they would act a little bit more like their platform and not act like people who only care what rich people think and want. It's very depressing because they just roll over on everything so easily. It's true. And that's also not to say that they didn't get some good things passed because they did. But obviously it hasn't been enough to start an actual economic recovery. Um, The stimulus was almost half tax cuts. And again, you're depriving the country of revenue at the time when it needs revenue the most. We've got like $2 trillion in infrastructure over the next four years that needs to be built that we're lacking. And I I think you're right that things won't change until we change the way we finance elections and also until people start getting up off their asses and at least contact, getting slightly more informed about politics and contacting their legislators at least pretending like you give a shit about your own self-interest. Question. So homicides have gone up every time Republicans are in office. Yes. In the game of Clue, is Michelle Bachman Miss Scarlet or Mrs. Green? Ooh. Can I say she's the maid? Yes, I totally forgot about the maid. Yeah, she's definitely she's 
definitely the maid. Yeah, I think she's the maid. Was it like Miss White or something? Uh, no, no. Mrs. White was uh, Madeline Kahn, right? I think so. Yeah, Mrs. White was Madeline Kahn. I don't remember the maid's name. We'll have to we'll have to look into that for later. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to file that away. But Dick Cheney's definitely Colonel Mustard, I think. Oh, most certainly. I think we was can that all the Mar- that. Martin Mull? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about that today because I actually read um, they were gonna remake the Clue movie or make a new Clue movie. Why? But uh, but they decided not to. Thank God. I know, right? Do you know they're already they're making a Ouija board movie? Battleship. A battleship is coming out with Rihanna. It, did you see the trailer? It has nothing it's to do. Mess. It's such a fucking mess. I'm pretty certain I saw aliens in that trailer. And Battleship versus aliens. Battleship versus I was like, that's not how it works. It's pegs on a board. God damn it. Get it right. Um, but they're making that. They're making the Ouija board movie. They're made pretty much every board game we grew up playing is going to be a movie now. You guys, I'd like to announce my adaptation of Hungry Hungry Hippos. And I would like to announce my adaptation of Uno. Ooh. It only takes mine, one. Mine is going to be a metaphor for income inequality and how rich people have sucked up all the productive capital of American society. What's yours a metaphor for? Mine is a metaphor for um, keeping all the colors in the right group and knowing when to use your reverse card. Is that what a <laughs> metaphor is? Um, yeah, no. The tag I'm not line, clear on a metaphor. The tagline is going to be wild card reverse uno. Skip two draw love nice nice you know and it's about like masturbation (laughs) and our hero spends the whole movie trying to get women to play uno with him Mm -hmm. but all the women scuttle the games when he tries to make a sexual move on them Mm -hmm. you know playing uno is a good euphemism for masturbation like yeah that's a really good Uh, i play some uno yeah i think we should make that a thing Ladies and gentlemen of the, by that I mean audience, whether you're playing Uno tonight or not. Or you're playing Dose or Trace. We don't judge. You guys, I, I hope someone out there is playing Trace. Someone's playing Trace. And I hope they're calling it playing a Trace. <laughs> right. And they they're say like, it Trace. They're like, they're, they're like, hey, you guys want to Trace tonight? And they're like, what? <laughs> like with a pen and paper? And they're like, no. As in the Spanish three. As in let's all fuck. Can you imagine if someone invited you to a threesome, but instead of being like, do you want to have a menage a trois, or hey, do you, you want, want to do have you want a trace? Do you want a trace? Get some candles and put on some Kenny G and just trace the night away. <laughs> Let's get crazy. Um, I like that I took Spanish for like eight or nine years, and I say trace. Right, yeah. I, so I think whether That's you're... an educational fail. Unoing, dosing, or tracing... Thank you for listening. Um, This has been another episode of By That I Mean. I am Seth. I'm Chelsea. And you can tweet me at MFP Seth. And And can you you be tweeted? I can be tweeted. You can can be tweeted. I am. I'm tweeting all over this bitch. You can tweet me at Chelsea Procrast. um, And you can check me out at juststopitrightnow.blogspot.com. Chelsea has a blog... It's it's very funny. It's pretty much where you go to bitch about things like Tyra Banks and Gwyneth Paltrow. I was scared to come on this show because I knew it would be political and thinking deep things. And I was like, oh, no. All I have are camel toe jokes. <laughs> Bring your camel toe back here anytime you want. I will. <laughs> clop, clop, clop. <laughs> Is that the sound it makes? <laughs> the sound I make. I thought that was your shoes or something. That wasn't your flip flops. No, it was my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Old Moose Knuckles. (laughs) I saw Old Moose Knuckles at Jazz Fest and I was disappointed. Well, uh, thank you for bringing your talents and your big <laughs> cloppy vagina. Uh huh. Yes. To the by that I mean podcast, Chelsea Steiner. That's what I'm here for, Seth Pearson. Thank you so much for having me. Um, a joy and a pleasure as always. And until the next time I have you, goodbye and toodles. Bye bye.